welcome to our latest episode in our Public m podcast series. My name's Antonia Kirkby and I'm joined today by Caroline Ray, a partner here at Herbert Smith Freehills. Today we're going to talk about the National Security and Investment Act. Uh, this is a new piece of legislation that's just come into force on the 4th of January and it gives the UK government far wider powers to review and impose remedies on or even block acquisitions and investments on the grounds of national security. It's a really wide-ranging piece of legislation with a lot of detail. So today we're going to try and pull out some of the headline points for you as public M&A practitioners. So Caroline, if we turn to start with when the regime actually applies, which targets are in scope? Well, the, the government have been clear that the focus here is on national security. It's not wider public interest. But that said, it is a wide regime and will capture lots of deals. So the way it works is that if a company buys 25% or more of shares in a company within 17 prescribed sectors, a notification will be mandatory. That means that you cannot complete the deal until you have approval. These 17 sectors are the sectors that the government view as the sensitive sectors and so most likely to give rise to national security concerns. And they include, for example, defence, artificial intelligence, energy, transport, and critical supplies to the government or emergency services. So what that means is if you go ahead and complete a transaction in one of those sectors without obtaining clearance first, the transaction will be void, as well as it being a criminal offence and opening yourself up to significant fines. Outside of those 17 sectors, notification uh, will be voluntary. So if, if your target is in a mandatory sector, clearly you'll need to include a condition to your takeover offer relating to getting that clearance. If your target's in a sector where notification isn't mandatory, might a buyer still choose to notify? Yes, I think they might. Um, you might ask, why would you bother if you're not strictly required to? But the reason why you might do so anyway is because the government has a power to call in for review any deal which it thinks might give rise to national security concerns. And it can do that for up to five years after the deal or six months of it becoming aware of the deal. So there is a bit of uncertainty here. So there might be some buyers who take a cautious approach and think it might be worth voluntarily notifying just to have that certainty that the deal won't be called in at a later date. It's worth saying that in those voluntary sectors, the risk is lower because the transaction that gets called in won't be void, but the government could order the transaction to be unwound um, or, or state for other remedies if there are any national security concerns. So it's possible that in the first six to 12 months, while people are settling into the regime and seeing the approach taken by the government, we may see some cautious buyers voluntarily notifying just to have that deal certainty. And presumably, if they do choose to voluntarily notify, they'll also include a condition to the offer at that point as well. And if we move on to the sorts of transactions that it applies to, so you mentioned there's a 25% threshold, so it's not just a full-on takeover or acquisition of 100% of a target entity that may trigger the regime. Yeah, that's right. It's wider than that. It applies where there's an acquisition of a stake of 25% or more, or even 15% can trigger the regime. So it's really important at the outset of a transaction to think about this if you're proposing to stake build two. And if your stake, if you have a stake already, but you increase it. So for example, if you go through 50%, the re regime will be engaged. So as I say, whenever you're thinking about obtaining or increasing control, you need to have a think about whether the regime applies. 
And does the transaction have to be a particular size for the regime to apply? So, for example, under the Enterprise Act merge control regime, you have turnover thresholds and things like that. Do you have that on under the National Security and Investment Act? No, interestingly, for this regime, there's no de minimis thresholds that apply. So the regime will apply regardless of how small the transaction is. So you can see that it could capture a very large number of transactions given the number of sectors. Okay, so then thinking about the impact on transactions and what, what parties need to think about, aside from deciding whether to notify, what else should they be doing when they're looking at a, set, a, a target that may Either is either in the mandatory sector or may require voluntary notification? So I think the first thing um, to think about is whether you include a condition to the offer. Uh, we've seen that in a number of transactions already. And if there's a risk that you think um, as a bidder you might want or need to invoke that condition, consider whether actually you should draw the attention of shareholders to the condition up front as per the usual approach to conditions on a bid normally. And if there is likely to be a national security risk, think ahead about what remedies you could offer the government to try and satisfy the government and get their approval around any national security concerns. And of course, it will need to be factored into the deal timetable the same way you would do with any other approval that's required prior to completion. Okay, thank you. And then, so, so far, what we've discussed, it all seems pretty similar to other FDI, foreign direct investment regimes we see in other jurisdictions. Are there any particularly tricky points that people might miss in relation to this regime that's in, the, in the way it differs from other regimes we're used to? Yeah, I think, I think generally it's not too different to the other regimes we've seen around the world. We have seen the rules strengthened um, in regimes uh, across Europe and, and, and elsewhere. I guess one difference is that it applies to all buyers, not just buyers from particular jurisdictions or those outside the UK. Um, so in the UK, even if you're a UK bidder, you need to be thinking about your regime. That's slightly different to how it works in other jurisdictions. And it's also really important to remember that it has retrospective effects. So the government can call in transactions that have been entered into any time after the 12th of November 2020. So that's quite some time ago. Although notification was not required prior to the regime coming into force on the 4th of January, even if the transaction involved an entity in a mandatory sector, you need to be aware that the government could call the transaction in up to six months later. So it's worth thinking about any of those transactions that were entered into after 12th of November 2020. Thanks, Caroline. Both quite interesting points, those, aren't they? Particularly that I think a lot of people would assume that it applies to non-UK buyers, but interesting that UK bidders also have to pay attention to it. So thank you, Caroline, for joining me today and to sort of unpicking some of that legislation. I think the main message for everyone is to spend some time at the outset of any transaction, even if it's just a stake building exercise or investing in a company at an early stage and sitting back and deciding whether the regime will apply. I think, as you said, Caroline, there probably will be quite a few notifications in the early stages at least that are made just in case because we don't quite know how the regime will work in practice um, and that's understandable particularly given the consequence of getting it wrong in a mandatory sector the transaction being void but I think I don't know if you agree but I think that as practice develops and possibly more guidance emerges and practice sort of becomes more established it'll soon become a regular part of the transaction um, in the same way as merge control or FCA change of control approval would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I think that's right. It will just become another regime that we need to deal with in the same way we deal with other approvals.
Great, thank you. And, and for those of you who are interested, we've got a lot more information on the regime um, on our HSF Corporate Notes blog and our Competition Notes blog. Um, but that's all from us today. And you can find and listen to earlier episodes in our public MA podcast series on our website, herbertsmithfreehills.com. But in the meantime, thank you and goodbye.